This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid So scared to do what I wanted In looking back I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your head up high. Don't be afraid. Just take it one step at a time. Don't give up on your dreams no matter how small. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight is February 7th, 2012. So tonight we are going to talk about what's been kind of going on on the blog, leaving AA, on what happens when people decide that um, they're not happy anymore, they're not getting what they want, Um, maybe they've been sexually harassed, maybe they've been scammed on, maybe they don't believe in the the whole idea that um, it's God is going to save them, and that even though it's written nowhere in the literature that uh, there is an intention that makes people feel like they have to go to meetings forever and ever. At least that's my experience, and that is what I would say that somebody would get is, um, you know, uh, you do it our way, and if you don't, if you stop going to meetings, then you're going to drink, and all these different things that um, people are told. So tonight is a night that I'd like people to call in at eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. That's eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven. Uh, one of the uh, things that happened to me is that most of the bloggers know that I was definitely harassed um, from the beginning by a guy who was, I, I think he had like five years, and I believe he was seven years older than me. I was 18. And then again, uh, and it really actually put me into quite a spin. At first, I was really happy. I had already stopped drinking on my own, and two weeks later, I met Tom, and um, I'll use his full name because he wrote a really good book, um, Tom Catton, who wrote The Mindful Addict. And although Tom and I don't agree anymore, I don't believe in the powerless modality or the disease um, concept, uh, he's still a good friend. And I was happy to see him um, sort of come out of the shadows and tell his own story. But anyway, I met him, and then, of course, there was this guy who hit on every you know young girl who was around, and I just happened to be one of them. So... Um, it, it you know looking back, um, it took me a long time to forgive that guy, but it was when I began to see uh, it going on still thirty some years later, uh, in the same fashion, but really in a way that people were not supportive. Like the young girl who came into my life, Callie was being told like, "What is your part in it?" and you know, "Look at yourself." And I'm like, "No." Like, that's not what needs to be told to you. You are being preyed upon by somebody who knows better, who's using you for sex, and in fact, not only used her for sex, but for a place to stay. 
and he was sober five years. And, you know, he circled the marina center many times asking her if she needed a ride, and she said no and no, and finally she said, okay, I'll take a ride. And that's the rest of the story is, uh, I think it's documented on one of the first three shows that I did where we talked about 13-stepping. So meeting her and seeing what was going on, I really didn't see a lot of it because I kind of had gone to just, I was at that point going to just women's meetings one a week, and that's what happened for the last six years. Um, I want to welcome my guest. Hi, this is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery, and I'm Monica. And we are talking about why would somebody want to leave. And so looking back, I went, why didn't I just leave then? So then fast forward another 10 months, and my sister was living with uh, two older guys, and they were a lot older, I think 20 years older. I was by that time turning 19, my sister 21. And uh, these two guys wanted to have sex with my sister and I. And clearly when I refused to do it a second time was when it was time for me to leave. That's when they told me that I needed to leave from renting out a room there. And then from the workshops that we put on called Make A Safer, um, we found out that there's these you know, sober livings all over the place. And these are people in the program just making money. They're not like you know, being nice and charging $100 or $300, they are overcharging for rooms so that you could live with other sober, sick people. I don't know why you'd want to live with other sober people now looking back. My experience was so horrible. So that at that point, 19, um, why didn't I leave? I, I didn't know. I don't know. I didn't know why. But if we look over the years uh, as, you know, hi there, I think we have, there's some people in the... um in the chat room. Hi there. Uh, please call in. I'm going to take calls tonight um, from as many people as I can to talk about if you're leaving, if you want to leave, what are the feelings, what are the things you go through. 818-475-9211. It's 818-475-9211. Um, so the next process that happened was that you know, certainly a family member of mine was dying and also another family member of mine was having a problem drinking too much. And uh, when I went to mixed meetings, I saw that um, the meetings looked really sketchy and really um, like uh, I wouldn't send my enemy to them. And I became a GSR. And that process just, I would have to say, uh, took me out in a way that now I'm grateful for because I'm not in AA anymore. But the process was watching um, the mindset and seeing it in a new light and seeing like I felt like somebody had dropped LSD in my tea. And when I went to a meeting from at that point on, I would look at and listen and watch, and I felt like I was a newcomer. I felt like I had never seen the cult aspect. I had never seen how rigid it was, how strange it was. And in all ways, like holding hands with these strangers, and especially these really, really creepy men, as well as some creepy women. Um, so... Here are some of the reasons why I would leave Alcoholics Anonymous today. So in the Seattle News, uh, this was printed, um, this was reported in August 13th of 2010, a rape suspect waves extradition will be returned from Oregon. Um, so we have um, a man, John Allen Carter, 51, has been charged with first-degree rape and first-degree kidnapping in connection with the night point sexual assault of an acquaintance he allegedly lured to a home he was house-sitting in Covington on July 26th. Um, according to court charging documents, Carter asked a 49-year-old woman he had met through Narcotics Anonymous to view the home. Once there, Carter punched the woman in her stomach. Court charging documents said when the woman fought back, Carter choked her until she lost consciousness and fell to the floor, charging papers said. Carter then threatened her with a knife, saying he would kill her and rape her daughter if she didn't comply with his demands, charging papers said. Carter then bound the woman's ankles and wrists with plastic ties and raped her repeatedly for several hours, charging papers said. Later, Carter ordered the woman to drive with him to her in her Jeep to an ATM so she could withdraw money and give it to him. It goes on. So, you know, this woman, um, he was charged, and he, uh, I haven't followed this story up, but to me, that's one good reason why I don't want to be in Alcoholics Anonymous anymore because many people, part of Part of why, let's put it this way, what I didn't know and what we all found out as a result of the work on the blogs, starting with Stinking Thinking Orange Papers, was that 
um, hi there, hi there, I see you in the chat room, thanks for being here, um, is that we began to read the stories that actually a lot of us didn't know, maybe people who were sentenced knew, that people, it wasn't just DUIs, and that was also really, you know, sort of, um, I would say, really hurt the fellowship because you had people who were forced there. So uh, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, nobody was forced, you came you know, I guess you could have a wife who'd say, you better go, or, you know, we're through. But everybody else kind of wanted to be there themselves. And it's really different when you have a lot of people who don't want to be there. But when you have a felon, a third-level sex offender, and a violent criminal, that it's part of their deal that they make, that they have made it, like AA and NA, a religious faith healing program, um, that they have made that part of a place that they are dumping um, sexual predators and violent offenders uh, that, you know, why would I want to go there knowing that? Why would, I mean, I did go into prison meetings. I brought AA into the prison meetings on Oahu in the late 70s. Um, here's another story. This story is horrific. In April uh, April 7th, 2011, a couple is sentenced to probation in criminal abuse case. After spending more than 280 days in jail, two people accused of sexually abusing four children over a two-year period are set for release on Thursday and will be required to spend the next five years complying with court-ordered probation, or they could spend the next 15 years behind bars. James Bittner and Jennifer Collette, both of Coombs, appeared in Perry Court Court Thursday morning where a 15-year prison sentence was probated for a period of five years following last month's guilty pleas on three counts, each of first-degree criminal abuse, a Class D felony punishable up to five years in prison. But let's get to see where they get sent instead. I wanted you to hear, this is, these are the kind of stories, um, what was going on. Following their indictment, his indictment in May of 2010, Bittner had been facing 17 counts of first-degree rape, seven counts of first-degree sodomy and 22 counts of incest, three counts of first-degree sexual abuse and three counts of first-degree criminal abuse. Colette was facing 12 counts each of first-degree rape and incest, and they were accused of having sexually abused or raped the children, all of whom were under the age of 12 in 2008 and 09. All of the charges against them, with the exception of the three counts each of criminal abuse, were dismissed in accordance with the plea agreement announced last month, they were dismissed. 22 counts of incest, three counts of first-degree sexual abuse were dismissed, and guess where they were sent? According to the sentence handed down on Thursday, in exchange for their pleas, both Bittner and Collette will serve a total of five years of supervised probation, the duration of which will come with a bevy of conditions, including random drug testing with a minimum of one drug test per week, the first year of the probation, and they will be required to attend Narcotics Anonymous. They are required. So you will be sitting. There are people who take their children to meetings, which they shouldn't, or life ring meetings each week, completing 500 hours of community service with the Perry County Pride Program and have no contact with the victims. I have a binder full of stories. The binder is now two pages thick, and I, I kind of have stopped printing them because it got to be a little too much. Um, we had another story in North Jersey. Uh, the neighbors take AA concerns to Nutley. Um, in Nutley, New Jersey, there was um, a town there where uh, I spoke with one of the residents that she was sexually harassed outside her home, and these people had no idea um, who was attending these meetings. Uh, that's one story that I just told you is really, really scary. Um, there was a shooting in Downey, California, a couple of months ago where a woman who was pregnant at the time, um, the guy intended um, the guy intended for it to hit her husband, and he shot her instead. So there you go. You can get a flying bullet if you decide that maybe you want to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Um so the red flags missed, I'm sorry, red flags missed. This is a story that put me over the top. What made you leave Alcoholics Anonymous? You can call in at 818-475-9211. I would love to take some callers, 818-475-9211. This was the first story 
on top of Callie's story and me seeing what with the resistance that I was getting to try to make AA safer. How could how could anyone want to resist? We were like not trying to do a witch hunt. We were just wanting to have workshops and we wrote literature. That's great. You can see it on Leaving AA website. It's under tools and literature, I think, uh, literature and pamphlets. Why, how could anybody who's innocent not want to make like the Boy Scouts of America safer, or which in fact they did make laws, um, or make even Alateen safer, which they did now. You know, they made laws that you have to have a background check to be involved with Alateen, and Al-Anon did that. So I had gone to Hawaii for, uh, this was the summer, um, the fall of 2010, for a women's like little AA you know, weekend conference and um when I was sitting with my friends eating, they said, Oh, 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 that thing you're working on with safety, did you know there was a terrible story here. A woman and her thirteen year old daughter, um, Christine and Sandra Cass were murdered. Um and then he shot himself. So um Claiborne Conley um invited a friend from his Alcoholics Anonymous group to his apartment. The friend was shocked when Conley pulled a concealed handgun from under his shirt Conley, 43, who had a history of violence and mental instability, was on a conditional release from the Hawaii State Hospital at the time and was not allowed to have a firearm. The friend didn't know that, and he and another friend said that they didn't even know that Conley had just spent 10 months at the Kaneohe Hospital for the mentally ill, and he had had a history of violence. Um, if anybody wants to look it up, this, these, their pictures are still there, a beautiful um, woman and her daughter. In fact, my friends personally knew um, the Sandra because she lived close by to the Catholic school that she went to. Um, somebody, let's see what somebody's writing here. I thought that the Apple was AAD programming. Oh, 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 from going to have a book about folks leaving AA and why they left, but I have never heard anything or seen anything of it. Let's see, I thought that that Apple from, oh, Oh, somebody from AAD program was going to have a book about folks leaving and why they left, but I never heard. Mm, I don't. I don't know about that. I think that uh, you know what I did is I went on to um, to think and thinking, and really what I did is I first read Orange Papers, and there wasn't a forum then, and um, that was probably a good thing. But I don't think I was ready for that forum. But I read for hours and hours, for days and days, for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, it probably went on. And from that, I found stinking thinking, where then I saw people who just, like, hated, hated, hated burning books. And they were talking. I was like, wow, man, what's with these people? Like, why are they so angry? And then at the same time, my life just started to unfold. Like I explained earlier with the young girl that came to my home group meeting and me becoming a general service rep and seeing the 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 mindset of the people that were doing this service, and then as it escalated, what really happened was we went around with flyers and we said, oh, we're going to do a workshop, is that women started coming up to us and saying they were raped. And we were like, oh, what? You know, and then they'd say, yeah, well, we're, you know, did you go to the police? And they were like, oh, no, you know, we were afraid. And, um, you know, it just was, we were like, what? Like, you know, if you were, like, raped by somebody that you met at the PTA or if you, it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre culture. And, you know, I was looking at um, Paul Haggis' uh, story again. I think it was last spring. He was in the um, the New Yorker um, magazine. He wrote a very, very long, um, I guess, you know, article, essay. on. He was in Scientology for 35 years. He wrote Crash. He directed and I think wrote Million Dollar Baby. Um, Casino Royale, really great um, Hollywood screenwriter, but he was never really known for um, being um, a uh, a part of Scientology. He was just more known as you know his community. And when I read this story, I was just blown away. I was really, um, it just really helped me because actually it was at the same time that I knew that I was leaving, that I couldn't stay any longer. I could not sit and listen to another. Um, the reading of Chapter 5, and if any of you have not listened to Gunther's 2000, he has Expose AA um, site, he rewrote it, and it's really funny. And you can listen to it in the archives. 
it's just called Chapter 5 and the rewriting of it. But, um, yeah, it's, Carolyn saying, it's very sad, unnecessary. Um, I, I do think it is very sad and very unnecessary for this kind of thing, especially um, the Christine Cass. And so this is a case where a judge and the mental health professionals, um, and unfortunately, they well, what I want to say is they um, sentenced him like, like it was some sort of um, class. In fact, I think anti-denial um, had something where there was a link, and, and they actually did call it that. You know, it, they didn't call it a meeting or a fellowship. It just they, they're they're making it something that it isn't. There's nobody in charge. I mean, I, I went to some meetings at the end to try to raise awarenesses um, where nobody, the secretary wasn't there, and you run in and like, oh, can you leave the meeting? I gotta go and they would run out, and, you know, it just was really rogue, very, very rogue. Uh, 818-475-9211, 818-475-9211. So what happened is that I got to a place at the end of, oh, oh yeah, okay, so Christine Cass and her daughter and Sandra were killed in August. Actually, I think I was, I was there and I had just left. I was there for vacation. And this incredible picture here of her in the Star Advertiser. Um, it's a local paper, paper there. And then I came home, and then um, I knew somebody briefly, but my husband knew him pretty well, which was Tracy White, um, was killed by this couple who um, pretended that they wanted help. And um, they wanted that, that they were addicts and they uh, surely were, because God knows what they were on to uh, to cut him up like they did, to, to kill him. He was a beautiful guy, um, 15 years of sobriety, and would have helped anybody. And here we have Edward Garcia and his wife, Melissa Hope Garcia, um, and they cut him up into pieces. And uh, I did go down for that pretrial um, to support the family and to just see how this thing was going to unfold, because it was really hideous. It was that that second murder that when I went to, um, well, you know, it just was shocking, and um, to know somebody personally that, that that happened to, and my husband knew even better than I did, and then going to the funeral, but it was the things that people in the meetings said to me when I told them about the murder, and they were the same stupid things that were said to Callie, like, um, oh, that happens everywhere, and I was like, "Wow, like you know i don't I don't know anywhere else that that's happened like i i that's not true like I don't know anyone like what happened to Christine Cass and Sandra and what happened to tracy white i'm I'm sorry, but like that's not true and there was it almost felt like a knife it felt like um just somebody just just stabbed me in the chest um and the reason is is that I really did love Alcoholics Anonymous. I felt I was one of those people that you know, thought that, you know, it didn't save my life. I had stopped on my own, but I was really um, lonely and young and, and didn't have any friends that were, didn't drink. And these were a whole little group of young people that didn't drink. But, of course, it was filled with Mr. 13-Stepper um, and and more like this. So, uh, you know, if you have, let's see what somebody's writing here. So if they have compassion... Um, I also heard that Orange was to release a book with C-Sharp Press, but never heard anything after that. Oh, I don't know. I, I hope that he does. I mean, his, you know, Orange has incredible information. If you don't know about the Orange Papers, they are, uh, I mean, when you go there and you think of how non-technical he really is, right? I think his name is Terrence, but he has stuff that is just, it's all photocopied the old-fashioned way, and uh, you know it's really um, it's really sad because you know people idolize Bill W. and you know there you see that those hundred people or the other people that started and wrote the book they they got nothing, and the six million or five and a half million that come in every year from the sale of the big book you know still goes to the descendants or the heirs of Bill Wilson and Lois Wilson and his um, mistress of all those years. And he was definitely a sexual predator, and he was a scam artist. And Orange Papers, like, really lays it out, 
and you know you just see it for what it is. Um, I have a caller on the line. I'm going to see if the caller wants to say hi. Caller. Hello, Monica. How are you? Hey, hey, Kevin. How you doing? How you doing? I'm just tuning in, so I'm just getting the gist of your show. Uh, so oh. I'll be just listening. You want to just listen? Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Thanks, Kevin. What am I, what am I missing? Nothing. No, no. I just I started out with reading some really gnarly stories of, um, I mean, you've heard me talk. I try not to talk about it all the time because it's they're pretty bad stories. But I started out with the story about the woman who was raped um, up in uh, Seattle. I mean, the story is from the Seattle Press, but from a guy she met at an NA meeting. Mm. So this was in the news in August 2010, but um, it was like reprinted this year, like July of the summer. And then I read, you know, the story of the couple that all the counts of the sexual abuse, remember that really horrific story that was, I think the guy even actually blogged me. He came onto my Step 13 Stepping blog, by James Beitner and Jennifer Collette, um, the 17 counts of first-degree rape. I mean, I mean, it's just... And instead of they plea, how could you plea bargain like have this, this much stuff, and get away with it? And part of the sentencing was sent to NA. I mean, if these two white people were black, they'd be in jail like for the rest of their lives. You know, I mean, this, this is this is taking place in um, in the south in, in the southeast. And then I went to you know kind of what I'm talking about is why people leave. And I said, why would you want to stay? I kind of told Callie's story and that. You know, I had a family member who was drinking too much, and then I went to mixed meetings, and they were pretty scary. Um, and then I got to Tracy White, and that was kind of what put me over the top because I knew him, you knew him. And then when people, when I told people, even in my meeting, that he was killed, there was this coldness from some of them that chilled me. You know, it just, it just like, like I said, you know, it felt like somebody stabbed me in the chest that. People could be that cold, could be actually not drinking and sober, and be that yeah. heartless um, about yeah. the, the two murders. And for me, that was like, I don't want to be around these people. Like, not. And then what I was explaining is that most of us didn't know about the sentencing of the third-level sex offenders and the violent criminals to meetings. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know either. No, 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 no. I mean, we all know that people got a nudge from the judge at that same way. In, in all the meetings, but, you know, we never knew exactly for what for in a lot of these cases. You know, we, uh, me personally, I just assumed that it was uh, for, you know, DUIs, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But, but I never knew to, you know, how severe or how serious, you know, whatever it was that they did for mm-hmm. them to be sent there. You know, mm-hmm. it's just an, it's an assumption that I've always made, so. Yeah, and then you find out later on that, you know, wow, this guy did this or this guy robbed this person or this guy robbed the bank, <laughs> you know, or, or worse, you know, and you find out. But, uh, you know, my, well, my uh, thing is, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, no, no not for you. Well, the, the story that I thought you were going to tell was somebody that we knew that who did some, you know, really nice handiwork for us, handyman stuff, told us about somebody we knew, that they ripped him off for five grand for a car. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, these, these stories are not uncommon. You know that too. That we hear that constantly. That you know somebody's got ripped off for you know fifteen thousand dollars or hundreds of dollars, and a lot of these people who you know who really can't afford to lose that kind of money too. You know mm-hmm. that trusting mm-hmm. someone in the room is because it's, a, it's supposed to be a place of recovery and you know rigorous honesty, and uh, you get burned. You get burned, and. Uh, you know, there's a room full of drunks and alcoholics. And, you know, it's sad because there are some really good people in there, but unfortunately there are some very, you know, uh, devious folks in there as well. You know, I mean, uh, you and I have seen in more than one occasion where the 12th uh, tradition, the uh, self-supporting uh, basket is passed around where you're supposed to donate money. Right. You, and I have seen, you and I have seen people walk out with that basket, steal the basket. You and uh, you and I uh, have been blamed by a meeting once that uh, you guys, uh, we were told by the secretary that you guys took the money and you never paid for the rent for like months uh, after, you know, you and I have not even been to that meeting for months uh, because the secretary who was responsible at the time was taking the money. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, and that was like really stupid because I had no longer gone to that meeting. I mean, I went twice with you just to give you a cake, and uh, but yeah, that kind of stuff is, um, yeah, it, the, it's it's the, it's right. It's the bizarre. Lower. That's, yeah, the, that's yeah. the lower end. That's the lower end of what happens. That's just a small case. It just mm-hmm. it's far worse than that. You know, you mm-hmm. you know, the, it, it just, the list goes on. The list goes on. Right, know. right. But that's just a, an example of what we're dealing with in the rooms. You really don't know who you're dealing with. No, and, and I yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this this it's a story that was reposted by Jr. I think on Orange Papers was one that. A lot of people back in the Northeast and many of the bloggers who were on there longer knew the story, which I didn't know. But it was the one where that we were talking about last week because it got reposted, and I finally read the whole story where the two guys, here they are, like um, Petit Connecticut, cocaine, anonymous, treasurer sentenced to death in Petit Connecticut murder, Stephen Hayes and Joshua Komazarevsky first crossed paths at Hartford, Connecticut, at a drug treatment center in the summer of 2006. Um, both of them attended Alcoholics Anonymous and NA meetings together. And this is the story that I was telling you was just so horrific where he tied up the wife and the kids and burned the house down and the father, like, oh, you know, yeah. he crawled oh, out and then yeah, and he made it alive. But, um, you know, it, it, I read that one again and I thought, you know, it's really, really, really bad, and um, people just, they don't know who's sitting next to them, And um, but but we know, we know now, and I'm going to be, um, when I interviewed a keeper of the birds whose son was killed by his A sponsor, yeah, I, you know, I just, it was pretty hard to um, listen, and then I, I met her, you know, and then here's another story here, um, in Traverse City, uh, this is in um, Traverse City, a guy in a meeting. They all, So sometimes people would say, well, you know, that's an outside issue, that's an outside going on. And I was like, really? And then, of course, I met Carolyn, where then we're like, no, it's not an outside issue. It's happening in a meeting. And then some of the young women were saying they were absolutely harassed. And then I met Rosie, who was absolutely harassed inside a meeting all the time, all the time grabbed and hugged when they didn't want to be. But when mm-hmm. this guy had, he got his throat slit um, in a meeting. Yeah, and a small little meeting, and um, in in Michigan. So um, you know, there's nobody watching over. There's nobody making it accountable. There's nobody making it safe, and um, and people uh, are still sending people like it's the golden standard. I mean, when you read the, all the old stuff in. Uh, like AA stories, you know, of it was considered to be, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And so, um, do you want to stay on, or you want me to just put you on hold, Kev? No, it's up to you, man. It's up to you. I mean, it's up to you. Okay. So, uh, part of what we wanted to talk about, which is uh, how do you leave? And we had a blogger who was on. Um, my site, and she was talking about the feelings, and so the feelings are, at first, you know, for people who went to a lot of meetings, um, they miss the fellowship, um, and they, you know, think that's what AA is, And but if you leave and nobody were to call you, uh, then they really weren't your friends, were they? And, um, you know, I have, who I'm going to find her, I think her name was Nico, um, and she, I have why I left a stories. Um, she was talking about, you know, she went back and, um, how they call people a dry drunk or now you're going to be, you're going to white knuckle it. Um, yeah. all these different things that people are told what's going to happen to you if you leave. And, you know, Kevin, if somebody said to you, like, it, well, I don't know about you, but me, like, oh, you know, you have to come here forever. Or, you know, you're going to drink. I'd, I'd be like, it said so many different things. Like, they weren't, they didn't talk to me like that in the 70s. Maybe they should have, and I would have ran away. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, I would have said, yeah. fuck you. You know? Yeah. Fuck all of you. Yeah, Are you yeah. kidding me? I'm 18. And it said to me I had a daily reprieve, contingent on, I, I was all into that spiritual hope is, hocus pocus, mumbo jumbo, you know, reading all kinds of spiritual books. 
But, you know, I think that what I want to share with the people that are on the blog is that I was very sad at first, very, very sad, and then I got really mad, and I was really mad, and I remember blogging on Stinking Thinking and, like, swearing without, like, putting, you know, different, you know, I would spell F-U-C-K-I-N-G. There was no, like, F, a pound, 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 pound. You know, it was truly the F-U-C-K-I-N-G, and I felt um, that I had a right to talk like that. I feel like I had been ripped off, that my, my life had been taken from me, and I felt mm. like a cult member. I felt like I was in a cult. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so to that person, now, I would say that it's gotten better. Do you think it's gotten better? You, you know, how For the you? level of... Well, yeah, I mean, as a person who's watched me, like three months, I said that I thought it was really bad for like three months, and then it got better. Like there's an ebb and flow to it. What do you think, as an observer, honestly? As far as as far as staying in the program or or, or being there and leaving? No, um, as observing, observing me, knowing me personally, watching someone who left after 36 years, that I was really livid and really sad, and I, I would actually cry a lot about it, and that passed. That passed after three or four months. Or am I still just as pissed off? From <laughs> <laughs> um, leaving, from leaving the room. Well, I definitely see. Yeah, yeah. There's an ebb and flow. I, I've seen. Uh, I've seen a freedom. What I've seen is that this freedom, you know, from um, from a lot of the negativity that has just become, I think, more evident to you. I guess the longer you've been, especially the last few years, couple of years, I've seen you get really angry before you leave because you're trying to address the issue to other people in the rooms of what's going on. And it was like a slap in the face. You know, you got a sprinkling of folks that agreed with you. And uh, some of which were afraid to come out and say anything. You know, they're afraid mm-hmm. to say anything. But they would pull you aside and say, I agree with you, but not open in the room. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen that. And that, you know, that, 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 just, that would just drive me crazy, and mm-hmm. which kind of did when I, you know, tried to go with you a few times. So I, I've seen... I've seen this freedom, this, this burden kind of off your shoulders because a lot of people, you know, you had a lot of sponsors and, you know, you had some breakthroughs with, you know, some of them. And uh, it's just, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's hard to say. It's kind of, it's a loaded question. You know, I, I've seen, generally I, I must say that I've seen this freedom, this mm. freedom, this light, this lightness uh, oh. about you, you know, what's mm. going on. The, the only hard part is, is uh you know, just seeing how, you know, you're making such an effort, a tremendous effort to spread the word. And the reactions that are positive, I just can't believe some of the negativity that you've gotten through from some folks that are just very, uh, you know, adamant on saying, nope, this is it's really good, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I just, mm-hmm. you know when you're simply, what you're simply just trying to do is just get some a literature, you know, uh, out there to spread the awareness of, look, hey, you know, this is what needs to be stopped. That's all you were trying to do. That's all you were trying to do. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just your resistance, you know, from these folks. It's just, it's just uh, mind-boggling, mind-boggling, you know, because, right. it is, right. you know, it, it's like this is just an example that they're trying to say this is, uh, it's not a, it, it's a program of cover-up instead of a program of repair which is what it means, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's, it's, you know, I take my hat up to you, Mike, uh, you know, before uh, you're doing. I mean, this is a serious fight. It's a serious fight. And folks really need to be aware of what's going on. You know, there are folks that you and I know who have years, decades of time mm-hmm. in the room mm-hmm. that, that will not address these issues, you know, or just say, oh, it's nothing, oh, blah, blah, blah. And yet there are folks out there, thank God, that will say, I agree with you. I just wish more of those folks that do agree would help step up and say, hey, look, you know, there's a big steaming pile of feces sitting in the room, and it needs to be cleaned up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Just because right. it's there and walk in and see it every day doesn't mean it's okay. You know, we have to do something to help clean this up, and that's what you've been trying to do. And uh, that's just a, it's a tremendous fight. It's a, it's a tremendous fight. It really is. 
Wow. Wow. You know, I really appreciate you being on. I have a caller. I want to just say this one thing, and I'm going to bring the caller on, is that, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin and I were watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was on um, the other night, you know, without any interruption. It was pretty amazing, and there was a scene where a nurse... Well, first, I think they uh, Jack Nicholson's character wants to go, wants to watch the baseball game, and they have to vote. And the first time, they all want to do it, but he can only get there's two of them that will raise his hand. And it really reminded me of AA. Mm. It really like I in the end, I went to some big area meetings where even people who really were on my side, who were like my friend. Um, I would say like a friend, but they were, you know, I guess an AA acquaintance is really the true word, that some of them like got up and left the room when it was time to vote, or and, and they were afraid. They just were so afraid. But there were, I will never forget who they were either, because out of 100 people, there were five people who got up in the mic and let it rip and supported me, but the others didn't. Um, Amy just said something really sweet. I met her. As a result, Amy Lee Coy, who wrote From Death to I Part, who has become a, a good friend um, and, an, and an in-person. We have our in-person meeting, not just blogging, uh, which is really awesome. She actually watched me go through the process. I think I, I definitely met her before I left. Um, and, you know, it's, it was very, very helpful. I'm going to bring the caller on, Kevin, okay? So, okay. hey there. It, hi there. Hi, how are you doing? This is Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. How are you doing? Thank you for calling in. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? Good, good, good. Yeah, good. Thank you. So what was your experience um, as you as you left? Why did you leave? I mean, I know why, but, you know, we have so, people yeah. who are going to listen to this who, who don't know either one of us. So um, why did you leave and what happened to make you leave? Okay. Well, you wanted the the emotions, right? And talk about yeah, the feelings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. We, that's who Nico was talking about, like feelings yeah. and stuff like that. So go ahead, talk about it yeah. at any aspect. Mm. Okay, because it would start with that, and that was when when you came into the rooms. It was you leave everybody, everything. You get new friends. You get a new life. You get a sponsor. You listen to what they say. Everyone there, you know, at the beginning, love bombs you. Um, yeah, 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 you do everything right. And then uh, when you decide or you complain like I did, my problem was I um, asked too many questions about the program, which they didn't have answers to aside from the slogans, and then, you know, all the sexual harassment and assaults that happened. So when I started complaining about that, people started distancing themselves. And then when I finally... Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my sponsor wouldn't even sit at the table. Uh, it, it was ridiculous. Two months oh. before I left um, was my AA birthday, and she wouldn't even sit at the table with me. Mm. So it, I was already being shunned because I was speaking up. But when I left, um, I thought for sure I had some real good friends left um, that would at least not follow me, but be my friend. Yeah. And that was not the case. Um, mm-hmm. They turned on me. And so now I have a whole new life that I don't have any friends anymore because they were all AA. Mm. I, I don't have that routine, and I have a whole new life that I have to start on my own with and decide um, what will be best for me after after all this. And in actuality, I was told that was almost a grieving process, really. Right. I, I left a, a life that I had. I was told to live this way, the cult way. I got shunned from that by everyone, and I was left alone. Mm-hmm. And so that was very difficult. I got mm-hmm. angry not only because I wasn't helped for the sexual harassment and the assaults and, and you know, the whole story is nasty, which a lot of people know, but the the point is the feelings um, I wasn't I wasn't supported, um, and the ones that were my closest friends actually turned um, on me the worst, and that blew my mind. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you start all over again. But it's yeah. a lot better. It's a lot better. <laughs> right, right. I, I, um, I think it's... 
it's very sad, and I I do think that the blogs hold a real um, a viable support that I think before the internet, um, you know, there wasn't what there is now of exposing it. Right? You think about yeah. Orange has been collecting yeah. this information for a really long time, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking, thinking, yeah, and it's incredible. And yeah. then thinking, thinking was really created by people um it right i guess when i became a gsr which is when i met Callie, so it was just being formed and i know there had been others but the way she was such a good writer and you know the way yeah. it was laid out although there were plenty of trolls over there um it mm-hmm. gave me a place where i found another woman who had 25 years and left um there were actually many um i met a man who had over 3 decades who was going to leave, um, and he was sort of doing, and people shared with me that people said to me, I think once I, you know, re- really realized that I was going to leave, because at first I didn't, I was just trying to do the work, and they'd make fun of me and give me shit over okay. and thinking, thinking okay. and, right, I mean, not really, <laughs> yeah. but no, really, they'd, like, scare me yeah. away, and I'd leave and, you know, be gone for months, and then Ilse be like, oh, how are you, Monica? And I was like, uh. But um, mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, once I knew I was going to go, uh, there were people that gave me suggestions, like that they did it slowly. They made the plan of like go to less, you know. It was intentional. It was very intentional. Very. And intentional. then it felt like it. I, I felt like I cracked, like I cracked, like an outside shell that was mm-hmm. really thick. And Kevin's right. Like there were a lot of people that, and I had let go of the sponsees earlier. Um, other ones, and the ones I, in the end, they were really lovely women. You know, I mean, they were not people that were um, in anything wrong with them, except that they believe, you know, maybe still some of the stuff that I hear that I think mm-hmm. now is ridiculous. You know, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and, you know, um, mm-hmm. with the program, okay, if we think about it this way, um, there's only so much to learn. In AA, I mean, they've right. got the twelve steps, the twelve tr- traditions. I mean, there's only so much to learn. When you go to school, most of us go twelve years up through high school, and then some people go through college. And you know, you get to the twelve years, you've learned what you're supposed to learn, and you move on. Mm-hmm. And AA says that well, this program you never graduate from. Mm-hmm, and I right. thought, okay, I've learned my 5% already, guys. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I mean, if, mm-hmm. if 5% success, success rate, um, where am I going to get the other 95%? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that didn't make sense to me why we had to keep going and going and going. And the more they talked about all the bad stuff instead of, I wanted to hear solutions. I wanted to hear coping skills. I didn't want to hear drunkologues and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. badges of honor that they were the worst drunk in the world. I, you know, that didn't do it for me. That mm-hmm. that wasn't helping me any. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, um, it, you do graduate from it. I think um, Billy West said it best, you know, you go until um, you've learned enough and you go on your way. And mm-hmm. he went for about a year, and he he got what he needed, and he moved on. And I right, think that's right. great. I think mean, that's the right. Even the, even the Alcoholics Anonymous big book says, and Monica's help reminded me too, that it says we only know a little. We only know a little is what the book says. Yeah. We don't know and and exactly. it also said to, be, it said to be open-minded to other things, whether it be meditation, morning prayer, stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you know you can you can have a you can have a you can have a really good life with those things. It doesn't take care of everything. It doesn't, you know. It's it's just you know it's not the only way. It isn't, and that's right. what uh, you know that can be you know that could drive someone a little crazy too. You know that there's in my in my time I found some good things about it. Definitely, um, there's mm-hmm. some really good folks. You know I've learned some things, and you know during my time of. of uh, in the throes of addiction and, you know, drinking heavily. Uh, it, it, it was a place that was good for me, um, I think, particularly because of the, uh, the fellowship, mainly. It really was yeah. some sort of really mm-hmm. good folks to help me, uh, you know, as they would say, keep coming back, and they did. It took me a while to, you know, it took me a few years to get at least a year sober at the time. Mm-hmm. But I did it, but thank God for those good folks that were there, you know, with uh, open, loving arms, because... <laughs> You know, if you had a slip, you know, there were folks that you thought, like, as Alan said, were your friends that would turn on you, that would say, what's wrong yeah. with you and not want to talk with you. It's like, 
you know, it's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be a, a, a place of recovery with loving confrontation, which is redundant mm-hmm. itself. But uh, you know, it's just yeah. uh, you know that wasn't the case, and you know they don't know everything. And uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. It, you know, it's just well, it's you know weird. what, biggest problem with the program is there's the people in it. It's it's there. Um, okay, was that like you've talked about the people um, funneled in from the judicial system, mm-hmm. and then we have um, the people that are in there that are control freaks and, yeah. you know, like my sponsor had 10 sponsees. Her husband had 15 sponsees. Oh my he God. was the one that was always grabbing me all the time. He's one of them. Um, you know, and then you've got the mentally ill ones, too. So, I mean, you're sandwiched in between two screw-ups no matter where you sit. And at least in my – mine was a big meeting, Um and I thought I was going to be safer at a big meeting. It just um, I was just more of a sitting duck for more people in, in a bigger meeting. But, um, yeah, there, it, in the book, the book itself could be helpful to some people, but how it's relayed by people and the people that are in the rooms is what the does. And that AA does not stand behind its program. It does not keep its, its members safe and does not answer their calls. Um, to keep them safe or their um, right. their calls, cries for help. That's the huge problem with the program. Right, and I think what we yeah, saw you're was... You're on your own. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. No, you're on your own. You're basically on your own. If you have a problem, you're on your own. You know, Absolutely. Uh, some, yeah, some people will try to, you know, listen to you, yes, but uh, on the whole, a lot of folks will just, you know, you know, just deal with it, write about it, <laughs> you know, do a, do a fourth step about it or something like that, you know. Yeah. Give me a... You know what are you nuts? Right. You know, pinch my ass. Just you know, or the, you know, this, you know, this girl is like, you know, grabbing my crotch. You want me to write about it? Are you crazy? Wow. You know, yeah. I mean, it, right. you know, it, it, you know it, come on, man. And you know, yeah, it's, you know, right. Uh, right, we right. Do well, you know, the, the said, women before. would hide it. That the, they would cover it up because um, a lot of them have been sexually. Um, abused at some time in their life, um, or they're just timid and they don't want to be shunned. They don't. It, it's almost like I drank, you know, because mm-hmm. I came out and I said, "Hey, this is happening. This guy, right. this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy." Mm-hmm. And no one wanted to be. The girls didn't want to be around me um, because they didn't want to be associated and they didn't want to be shunned. Because that is the natural progression in AA. You. Ask mm-hmm. questions, you stand out in a negative way, mm-hmm. you are going to be shunned. People are not going to talk oh, yeah. to you. They, they threatened Kelly. I mean, when she went alone yeah. um, places, and I finally would come with her to some meetings, and they'd see me coming, and they'd say, that yeah. woman, there's that woman with Kelly. Like I was like, you know, I felt like I was in some bad film, like a B, you know, Roger Corman film, you know, the way that they, yeah. I swear to God, like I thought, this is not 2000. These people act like, Nineteen, like fifty, and uh, we have another caller on the line. I'm gonna let's, let's bring yeah, in this other you know, caller. Hi. I'm gonna go. Bye. You're gonna you go. Guys. Okay. All right. Yes. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks, Caroline, so much. Thanks, Colin, for calling in. Hi, caller. Hello, Monica. Hey, how you doing? Is this Kenneth? Yes, it is. Hey, thanks for calling in, Kenneth Anderson. We have uh, Kevin meet Kenneth and Kenneth meet Kevin and. Hello, uh, Kenneth. Yeah, so Kenneth has a Ham's Harm Reduction. He has a radio show on Blog Talk Radio. So, Kenneth, uh, for some of you people who don't know you or who might be listening to for the first time this show, um, why did you leave AA and what happened with you? Well, I didn't really attend meetings for a very long period of time, but what happened when I was going to meetings was that I started drinking more than I ever had drank before in my life. <laughs> and I finally... I had to check into detox. I had terrible withdrawal. And while I was in detox, I said, you know, I have to leave AA or I'm going to die. I'm going to drink myself to death unless I leave. And uh, I met many people that said the exact same thing. That's what happened to them. Uh, You know, they were, me personally, I was very offended by the bad theology of AA because they tell me there's, there's a loving God, and the loving God invented a disease called alcoholism, <laughs> and he let he let everyone die of it until 1935, mm-hmm. when he appeared to Bill Wilson and gave Bill Wilson the cure. 
And this like woman, God, mm-hmm. this loving God just gives alcoholism to whoever he pleases. And, you know, he let, he let them all die until 1935. Then he gave Bill the cure. And, you know, it's like, this, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I've I've never heard it put like that, but I love that. So we're, I'm glad that's recorded on this show, because you know, I, so there's a couple of people writing books. Um, Gabrielle Glasser, who interviewed me, did a lot of studying of like the whole movement and you know um, prohibition and laws that were passed and how the whole thing with AA in 19. I mean. And I know that friend the girl Ilse is writing a book as well, but it's bizarre that if you, especially, I really want to help promote you and your book. That's why I finally did buy it, and I'm going to read it, and we'll see if we can get some young people on one of my shows to talk about it, because I think it's really a bad thing to tell people to not drink at all, and it's going to be forever and ever and ever. That you should teach people who have... Um, a problem that you know that there's a chance that they could do moderation, which you have mm-hmm. done successfully. And I do know there's another young guy who was on the blog, and he you know definitely left and made a choice to drink, and is doing it successfully. So, um, what well, did you harm find? reduction? Mm-hmm. A harm reduction approach. Uh, well, first we empower people, but we give people choices. We say from a harm reduction perspective, what is going to work best for you? Do you want to be a safer drinker? Do you want to reduce your drinking? Do you want to quit entirely? I mean, we are totally in favor of abstinence for people that choose that as their Mm -hmm. best goal. Mm -hmm. And the studies show that about half of people with alcohol dependence who uh, recover from alcohol dependence, about half do it by quitting and about half do it by cutting back and getting safer and reducing the amounts until they're no longer dependent. And so it's really important to offer people their choices and say, you know, what's going to work best for you? And there's research that was done in Canada by Martha Sanchez Craig in the 80s, and she found that when she offered, she had two groups. She offered one group a choice of abstinence or moderating their drinking. Mm-hmm. The other group was assigned a goal of abstinence and told, you must abstain. <laughs> now, the group, uh, yeah, and this, was an al- this was an alcoholism treatment group, so yeah. um, mm-hmm. this was an experiment in treatment. Yeah. And the group that was given the choice to mm-hmm. abstain or moderate, at the end of the experiment, they had more people successfully abstaining mm-hmm. than the group that was told they have to abstain. Interesting. This is what happens when you tell people you have to do something. The right. natural reaction is, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. It's right. going to fight back. When you give people right. choices and, you know, give them a chance to experiment and make some mistakes, pretty soon they choose what's best for them and they get, they're successful with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really, um, your show is on Thursday nights, right? So um, Kenneth Anderson has a show on uh, Ham's, Ham's Network, right? That's correct. Um, it's it's uh, Blog Talk Radio slash Harm Dash Reduction. It's the Harm Reduction Show. Uh, the title is Addiction Treatments That Work. We have the regular show on Thursday. This week we also have a special episode on Wednesday, and we we're going to be talking to the founder of Safe Rides Unlimited. Mm. It's a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, and yeah. for making a tax deductible donation. Um, you get a service that will pick you up when you are intoxicated and drive you home safely. Wow, is that all over? In, is that in every city? That sounds great. It is a local. It's a local organization. It's uh, based in New Jersey. It covers mm-hmm. the New York City area. It's my whole local area is covered by this. And the guy, I guess he used to run a limo company. He just started up and said, "Wait a minute, this is the best way to stop people from driving drunk is to just give them the opportunity." And you know, he said. So it's a donation. It's tax deductible, and you make mm-hmm. a donation, and you get the pickup service. They'll come and pick you up when you're too intoxicated to drive. Well, so I encourage anybody to listen. I'm gonna. I like also can, you can archive any of these shows as well. Um, I want to thank Kevin uh, so much for calling in and all your support Welcome. with everything. I want to thank Carolyn for calling in. I want to thank Kenneth 
Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. Always enjoy talking to you. And uh, I want to just thank everybody. And uh, my plan is, I think we're going to have Billy West on again, um, hopefully next week, um, if not really soon. We're going to talk about pharma psychology. We're going to talk about people who even, once they stop drinking completely, um, who have really benefited from um, using a uh, antidepressant or something, but not just you know handed out anything. Really went to a pharma psychologist, I think, right, or pharmacologist. Um, so Billy's going to come on and talk about that. I want to thank everybody and remember, empowered, not powerless. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much, and I'll see you, Amy Lee Coy. Bye. Thank you, Mark. Good night, everybody. Good night. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.